the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This on-demand presentation from Talk910.com. This is Rob Black. Hear the Rob Black Show every weekday from 10 to noon Pacific Time on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. San Francisco. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area. Your money, your life. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. Back live in studio. Took one day off to celebrate President's Day. And I did it in typical fashion. I drank, played video games, watched the Olympics, took the day off, enjoyed it. So I spent some time, some downtime with my loved ones, so to speak. Um, Good day. Good day, eh? Speaking of good day, eh? Winter Olympics. They finally got kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. That snowboard, crazy four people down the mountain, lacrosse, kind of crazy action last night was a lot of fun. But I had to endure the opening ceremony. Why did I have to endure the opening ceremony on Friday night? Because the Chinese opening ceremony was so damn good. And the, the Canadian opening ceremony, not so good. Not so good. They had malfunctions. I feel bad for Canada. It's It's... You know, they're, they're not quite the United States, and they're a far distant play from China. And the commentators, you know, they're, they're doing the play-by-play and, uh, of the opening ceremonies, and they're going, yeah, Canada decided to tone it down. They, they didn't really want to, to oversell the way China did. So during the opening ceremony, they're already packaging it as, it's not that good. It's just not that good. And then they bring out a, a slam poet, which honestly, I honestly thought it was a joke. Slam poetry is a, it's one of those things, you know, Rob Black hates a lot of things. Rob Black hates old people because they don't pay income taxes. Rob Black hates young people that don't invest in their 401k because, man, if you do it when you're 20, 30, you don't have to do it when you're 50, 60, and you got lots of money. Rob Black hates Manolo Blahniks. Manolo Blahniks costs $400. Men don't look at women's feet. We don't want anything to do with your feet. They're nasty. They're janky. I don't understand why you get pedicures. Just don't get it. I get manicures. I don't get pedicures. We never see your toes. We don't want to see your toes. And if we see your toes, we've already accomplished what we wanted to see. So if you get my drift. So anyway, um, Rob Black hates a lot of things. And Rob Black is is pretty darn. Rob Black hates talking about Rob Black in third person. Rob Black loves Jesus. He thanks him for everything he ever got. Give him. So Rob Black hates third person. Rob Black hates slam poetry. It's one of those things that we could absolutely, positively, 100% eradicate off the face of this planet. We don't need it. With that said, let me give you a little bit of, of what I had to endure Friday night while watching the opening Olympics, uh, opening ceremonies. Uh, it, he's a poet out of Canada, and his name is Shane Cookson. He lines off the rocky coast of the Maritimes. And some say what defines us is something as simple as please and thank you. And as for your welcome, well, we say that too. 
But we are more than genteel or civilized. We are an idea in the process of being realized. We are young. We are culture strung together, then woven into a tapestry, and the design is what makes us more than the sum totals of our history. We are an experiment going right for a change, with influences that range from A to Z. And yes, we say Z instead of Z. We are the colors of Chinatown, the coffee of Little Italy. We dream so big that there are those who would call our ambition an industry, because we are vineyards of good year after good year. We reforce what we clear because we believe in generations beyond our own. Knowing now that so many of us have grown past what we used to be, we can stand here today filled with all the hope people have when they say things like, someday, because we are more than a laundry list of things to do and places to see, more than hills to ski and countryside ponds to skate. We are the abandoned hesitation of all those who can't wait. We are first-rate greasy spoon diners and healthy living cafes, a country that is all the ways you choose to live, a nation that can give you variety because we are choices. We are millions of Okay, okay, enough, 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 enough. Enough. I can't take it anymore. It's made me impotent. All my sperm just committed suicide. It's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And Canada thought it was entertainment. Slam poetry. Not, not by someone who, who's, who's felt the toughness of the world. Not some, by somebody who's been oppressed. But by a fat, puffy white guy. Poetry probably shouldn't be done by fat, puffy white guys. In my opinion. Who've been entitled. And lines like the colors of our tapestry we, um, and experiences are what make up the colors of our tapestry. We are the true north, strong and free. And what's more, it that we don't just say it, it's meant to be. It's like, oh, no, no. And they did this live on national, international, one billion people watching. Canada should have said, we're, we're great hockey. And then showed some video clips of Wayne Gretzky. They should have said, we're great beer. And then passed around a a cup of beer for everyone, a pint of beer for everyone. They should have said, we got the best looking women on the planet and showed us the best looking women on the planet. And showed us their clean water and then just ended the damn ceremony. But instead they had Indians dancing around like, like they're drunken for two hours while athletes were pulled in to the stadium. I don't know. I don't know about you, but that was the worst opening ceremonies I've ever seen. And I love Canada. I love Canada. I enjoy Vancouver. I enjoy Vancouver. I think Calgary's a great city. Calgary's got some of the, the best-looking people I've ever seen, the best uh, colleges as well. Oh, Toronto, it's like New York, clean. It's clean. Montreal is a European city in North America. Canada has so much to offer, and they, they pump up this. Oh, it was awful. It was the worst opening ceremonies I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, I, I, I kind of, I don't know. Maybe I should just stop watching opening ceremonies. Maybe that's where I am. Okay, so that's it. That's all I have to say about it. I'm looking forward to uh, Olympic hockey tomorrow. Hockey is the greatest international sport, greatest international sport, and um, looking forward to it like nothing else. Let's change topics ever so slightly. Something that you have to look forward to, and I don't know if you, you realize this, but we're on the, on the precipice of something huge. Something huge is going to happen in the next two years where you're going to see a lot of people doing this, and are you going to be one of them? Electric cars, and not just electric cars. Plug it in your damn electric car when you're at work. Plug it in your electric car when you're on vacation. Plug it in your electric car when you get home. We're about to change the world. Electric cars, they have a future in the United States, and yet we're not ready. And yet, I was looking at this. The San Francisco Building Code is going to be revised to require that all new structures be wired for car chargers. That's pretty dramatic. Across the street from City Hall, some drivers are already plugging converted hybrids into a row of charging stations. In nearby Silicon Valley, companies are ordering workplace charging stations in the belief that employees will be the first in line when electric cars begin arriving in showrooms. Now, 
at the headquarters of PG&E, utility executives are preparing heat maps of neighborhoods that they fear may overload the power grid. Keep in mind that if two of my neighbors get electric cars and plug them in at night, it could blow my electricity. We're going to see some pretty dramatic changes here. The California Public Utility Commission, it's headquartered in San Francisco. They've brought together utilities, automakers, charging station companies. They're trying to figure out the new rules of the road. A lot of the attention on electric cars has been on the vehicle's design, the cost, and the performance. But success or failure will turn into, you know, the mundane. Do we have a place to charge our vehicle? And if not, it'll never take off. If electric cars do take off, keep in mind, they cost you, the driver, about two and a half cents a mile for fuel. That's about 30%. No, no, no. That's about 70% cheaper than than gas-powered vehicles and an efficient gas-powered vehicle at that. Two and a half cents a mile. That's pretty sweet. Google, they're talking about, you know, using their power meter energy management software and giving it out to um, companies for electric hubs. Downtown San Jose, the city is a reserve street parking for electric vehicles. They've got installed charging stations. I mean, we're really, in the next year or two, it's like, yeah, good God. Remember two years ago when you were driving up and down the road, every freaking, freaking other vehicle was a, 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 a Prius? And you're like, hey, nice Prius. And you're passing on, hey, nice Prius, hey, nice Prius. And it got kind of cliche. And and people are kind of like douche-like. They're like, well, I drive a Prius and I'm saving the planet. And then there's the the, the anti-Prius people who are like, well, your battery's, uh, well, how shall we say it's poison and it'll never go away and it's going to kill children. So we, we really have people to set up on two sides of the street. And here, I'm going to tell you, again, it's going to be contentious. It's going to be situations where neighbors hate neighbors. It's going to be a situation where PG&E can't handle the business. The grid's going to have to be upgraded. For instance, the executive, the president of the California Public Utilities Commission, Michael Peavy, he leased an electric Mini Cooper, and it took six months, six weeks, excuse me, six weeks of his installers, of his inspectors, to get his home wired so that he could charge his car at home. It took six weeks, and he's the president of the California Public Utilities Commission. And he was having people come out on a regular basis, and he basically said, hey, This was a pain in the butt. This wasn't cool. But I assure you, this is going to be huge. And right now, if you're unemployed, there's going to be opportunities in smart grid. There's going to be a. But the sad part of it is, it's going to be so government driven that it's going to be big contracts. And it's really, really not going to be fat profit margins. It's going to be more. The firms are going to make the money, not the individuals. So, but again, there's going to be a battle line drawn. There's going to be people who are charging and people who aren't. And there's going to be jokes about it on late night television. People, uh, it, it's going to piss off a lot of people. It's going to become very, very cliche. Are you ready for this? So I think my two topics of the day, and you can call with either topic, is are you tired of douche-like slam poetry? Do we need, were those not the worst opening ceremonies of all time? And if you honestly bought into it and you're like, no, it was wonderful, it was beautiful, it celebrated the people of Canada and the Indian tribes, and and no, it didn't. It sucked. It just flat out sucked. It, it, it took three hours of my life and it flushed it down the toilet pretty aggressively. And I'll never, ever get it back. And should white puffy people be doing slam poetry? I don't think so. Anyway, anything you want to talk about, we could talk about the, the magnificent change. Are you going to be someone who charges your car? Do you see the benefits in it? Do you see the positives on our economy? To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. We'll glowing heart. 
Rob Black Show, talking all things financial. And yeah, I'm talking a little Olympics. The the financial angle there, if I have to justify it, is clearly NBC's losing their shirt. And I talked to the opening ceremony and, you know, Matt Lauer from the Today Show, which someone should tell him to get some hair plugs because that's not a good sporty look. But long story short, um, where do I go with, with this? Um... The border cross is probably the coolest thing going in the Olympics, and tonight the women are going to go. So if you get a chance to watch it, it's just fantastic. Honestly, I want to give them, like, bats and knives and forks and and let them, like, gouge each other as they come down the mountain because it's it's that kind of entertaining. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your call on the air. Um, Lindsay Jacobolis, she's the crazy blonde with super curly hair that's going to be the, the the border cross tonight. Four years ago, she's about to win in Torino, and she does this crazy trick at the end. Just she doesn't have to. It's you don't get judged for tricks; you get judged for speed and crossing the line. Does a trick, falls on her butt, comes in second. So yeah, I, I absolutely, we'll be you know pulling for it because we like the underdog in America, and uh, you know we like the showboating. We like them both. Uh, Annie in Petaluma, she sends in an email. She goes, "I concur. It was beyond painful. The opening ceremonies. I got as far as Katie Lang's performance. I couldn't tell whether it was Wayne Newton imitating her or vice versa. Awful, awful, awful. Why did I waste three hours of my life?" And uh, one more comment comes in where Marie, on the live blog at talk910.com, talk910.com, she goes, my Canadian husband thoroughly appreciated the Olympic rant, too. He's in full agreement with you, Rob. It was awful. Once the slam poet showed up, we couldn't stop laughing our butts off about how righteous that neck beard that he was sporting was. We love your show. Anyway, you can go to talk910.com, talk910.com. And I will say this, and, and let me feel bad now all of a sudden. I, I appreciate the Canadians. They actually celebrate the differences in people they don't have to be homogenized they don't have to be gap wearing you know a a neck beard's okay and people still love them and people still have sex with them in the united states we would mock him we would ridicule him we would force him off our our airlines uh but canada appreciates the difference and i guess i should feel bad and and say yeah that's a good thing not a bad thing so you saw the movie juno you know how canadians are right let's go to nick in san jose nick what's up rob not too much thanks for taking my call man um, I, I have to say that the opening ceremony was was uh, pretty bad, my, pretty bad. But uh, I think the slam poetry. I, I'm not so much against the poetry itself. The message was pretty was pretty awful. I'm more of a message guy. So if the message is there, and you know, there's a there's a guy, Saul Williams, he's a local guy in the Bay Area, and he he does some really good slam poetry. Kind of focuses on a more freedom oriented, you know, theme. And I think it, the message, if the message, Nick, is there, do we really need do we need slam poetry? We don't need it. We don't need a lot of things, but that's the you know the joy of life is you have the freedom to do what you enjoy. So yeah, but guy. no, 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 no. Keep stay with me here for a second. Like, do we need Broadway musicals when we have great operas that are sung in Italian and French? 
Like, you know, Broadway shows are just, they're, they're so watered down. They're so much for the, the middle American from Iowa. Do we need slam poetry celebrating the freedoms of America when we got Shakespeare? Yes. You think we do? I, I think we do. Oh, good God, man. You, you must live one of those... I don't. I don't. Li- I don't sit and you know spend my life searching it out and finding the next best slam poet. But <laughs> I don't. I. I mean, at the same time, I'm not going to you know come down on somebody, especially if I agree with the message, because somebody's going to like it, and someone might hear the message that I agree with, and and jump on the bandwagon of freedom because, of course, uh, the, uh, the Olympics. The proof being that the government can't do anything right is that they're losing money, and they've lost. The Olympics has lost money every time they they have an Olympics. Not to mention just the opening ceremony. The whole games lose money. Yeah, you know, every single year. And so. the, the cities end up being huge losers because they find these huge projects to bring the, the games there, and then they sit with Olympic-sized swimming pools empty for years. Exactly. You know. So I mean, I'm not. I'm not on that. I'm not on that ship. But I definitely am on somebody who's pushing a more freedom thing. And and just to, to switch over topics real quick about the electric cars, okay. kind of on that same talk, sure. same line, is that you were talking about how the PG&E grid's probably going to have a hard time handling people plugging in their cars and, and sucking up that much electricity. And I think that if we could open that marketplace a little more and allow more competition, oh, then... Now you're talking crazy there. talk. Don't you know, it's always, of course it's crazy talk. Don't you remember the deregulation when we had it, how awful it was? We had rolling blackouts. But do you think that that was still because of some regulation that was there that made it hard for true competition? I think it was. You're you're probably right because when we were deregulated, we didn't truly deregulate it. You know, PG&E still owned the lines, but who was generating the capacity to go through the lines? And PG&E is upset that someone else is generating capacity to go through their lines. They're saying it's not the same quality energy. So no, it wasn't true deregulation. That was one of those things that Clinton did very very poorly. He he deregulated. He got government out of a lot of businesses, but not with a good specific plan. Right, and and then, then over the next ten fifteen years, it's creeped back in, and now we're running into government and all kinds of industry and causing it all to run inefficiently. You know, I'm with you. So okay, Nick, go listen to your poetry. Be all self righteous. Be all self righteous. I mean, drink your damn latte, drive your damn Prius. So tell me how great you are, Senator Evan Bay. Bay. Every time I see that name, I just want to go because Evan Bay, Evan Bay. It sounds funnier, right? He's an influential Democrat. He carved out a rare role in the political center. He announced today that he's not going to seek a third term, dealing a blow to a party already facing the prospect of big losses in November's congressional elections. Mr. Bay's decision, which he chalked up to gridlock and political infighting, gives Republicans an unexpected opportunity to pick up a seat, raising the specter of Democrats losing their Senate majority. Now, a year ago, such a concept appeared improbable, but now several Democrat seats are at risk. Republicans are riding a wave of public anger. Teabaggers, they're out there, right? Um, There's this new – politics is really creeping into investments because I personally like gridlock. I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats. I like moderation and moderation, even moderation. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not crazy left. I'm not crazy right. I like moderation very moderately. With that said, Evan Bay, that's a big story. That's a big story. A lot of Democrats are running and hiding. And if you don't think Meg Whitman's going to win the election for the governor, she's outspending the Democrat. She's getting a message out there that, that resonates a bit. You know, And what's sad is she's going to get elected governor, and then she's going to find gridlock, 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 and nothing will get done. Now, again, I'm not telling you which way I'm 
voting one way or the other. But the problem with California is we have so many promises that we need to break that gridlock's bad. And that's starting to happen in the United States government as well, that we have so many promises that we need to break and go back and say that system wasn't meant for this. But yet it's in place that we – so gridlock could become bad. I almost maybe want one, one sector in power. I'm not saying that quite yet, but Evan Bay, that's a big story. And again, that's telling you gridlock's coming to gridlock's coming into um, Washington, and when gridlock's there, we don't spend a trillion dollars on stuff. And when we don't spend a trillion dollars on stuff, Wall Street loves it because Wall Street can figure it out. Demon known versus the demon unknown. Let's go to Jake in Petaluma. Jake. Hey, guys. It's like I was telling Heidi uh, – <laughs> Overly emoting, earnest people, slam poets, slash anybody that's too into the concepts and the ideologies rather than the reality. And this is not being snarky, but it makes me depressed. Now, why does slam poetry make you depressed? Well, looking at our Canadian cousin, uh, and sure, he's a, he's a pasty white guy, mm-hmm. but I think you touched upon this. He did, I don't believe uh, there's anything in his, in his bio that I ever saw that suggest that he paid his dues to to be up there and to emote to that degree, uh, talking about these uh, perceived purities that, that Canada has. And I think, not to ramble too far, but I think we need a hell of a lot more skepticism and cynicism uh, in our world in order to cut through the ideological blinders that uh, everybody's operating under and that are contributing to the the stagnation in, in government and how we're handling our, our problems, economic and social as well. And to me, slam poetry, and I'm with you 100%, and you said that better than I could, it, it's, it's too macho, it's too masculine form of a poetry. It, it's trying to make poetry for trailer parks is what it comes down to. It's, it's poetry for the eighth grade level, not poetry for the college level. So thanks for the call, Jake. It looks like Heidi put on her headphones. Maybe Heidi wants to, to add a little bit on slam poetry. I just, there was something, and I'm not anti-slam poetry, but you're right about the whole, like, it's for young people, it's for eighth graders. Right. And I appreciate what it does in that it gets young people, um, you know, interested in, you know, alliteration and words and, you know, writing poetry. And that's great, right? So we can't bash it too much. But there was something about the delivery of that. I'm not anti-slam poetry, but there was just something wrong about the delivery of that that I just couldn't buy. I'm I'm with you 100 percent. And let me give you an example of uh, I mean, I don't quote poets on a regular basis in my life. But I remember when I was eight years old reading this line. It was to little girls. This seems to say never stop upon your way. Never trust a stranger friend for you do not know how it will end as you're pretty. So be wise. Wolves may lurk in every guise. Now and then the simple truth. Sweetest tongue has sharpest tooth. And that's from Little Red Riding Hood. And I remember reading that, and it's just stuck in my head forever and ever from the Brothers Grimm. Just a horrific tale of, of virginity to little girls that seems to say, never stop upon your way, never trust a stranger, friend, for you don't know how it will end. As your pretty so be wise, wolves may lurk in every guise. I mean, that taught me, like, sweetest tongue has sharpest tooth. Don't trust people who sweet talk you. And, and understand that some people aren't who they are. And like, oh, I remember that as an eight-year-old kid. And then, then the slam poetry just sucks. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's the Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. This just in. 
NBC has announced they're going to show the closing ceremony from the Chinese Olympics and not Canada because they no longer trust the Canadians. I don't blame them. So instead of uh, Winter Olympics closing ceremonies from the from Canada, we're going to get the Chinese closing ceremony. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Story hit me today that I was like, whoa, that's an interesting one. And I typically don't say this. And again, I don't embellish. I've told myself once, I've told myself a million times, stop embellishing. So I don't do it. Now, but this is a good story. It, it comes out of the New York Times and talks about drug firms. And we all know Merck and Pfizer and Eli Lilly, they, they, they charge a premium to we Americans. They charge a discount to Canadian. You've heard about Canadian pharmacies, right? Socialized medicine. Seems to work. Like, how can they do that? How is this variable pricing such a a reality? It is. It is. What's interesting to note is the New York Times did a pretty interesting article talking about drug firms and how they're trying to apply their brand to generics. Because when you start getting outside of the United States, there's this massive fear that they're getting, you know, counterfeit drugs. So it's, it's... it's problematic for Sanofi Aventus, for GlaxoSmithKline, for Merck, for Pfizer. A lot of prestigious brand name pharmaceutical companies that once looked askance at the high volume, low cost business of generic drugs. They're now looking to become major purveyors of generic medicines. Generic medicines, there's like a company called Dr. Reedy's. And they make generics. Teva Pharmaceuticals, they make generics. You understand the difference, right? Generics are the same exact formula in theory but without the brand name on top of it. Generic vitamins versus branded vitamins. A lot of people go with the generics because in theory you can't tell the difference. So Sanofi Aventus and GlaxoSmithKline, they're, they're not looking to enter the commodity generic market in the United States because they know they can still sell a premium drug here. They know they can. They can charge a higher price on it because Americans, we don't like generics. Big drug makers, though, they're starting to pursue a growing base in emerging markets, Eastern Europe, Latin America, Asia. You know, we're talking about the middle class growing in Brazil, Russia, India, and China. We talk about it on a pretty regular basis on this show. Well, when you're middle class, yeah, you do start to smoke more than when you're a lower class. When you're middle class, yeah, you do tend to vacation more. When you hit middle class, you tend to say, I want to own some real estate so I can one day retire from this rat race. But you also start taking more drugs. Start going to the doctor a little bit more. Big drug makers are pursuing this huge base now. In some emerging markets where the fear of counterfeit drugs or low-quality medicines run so high, consumers can afford it. They're willing to pay a premium for generics from well-known companies. So there's a premium generic now. I know this is almost impossible to follow unless you have a scorecard at home. So in the world of healthcare, I think Teva makes a great long-term investment story. It's probably one of the 20 stocks. Oftentimes I talk about 20 stocks you can buy and probably hold till the day you die. I think Teva's fine. I think Visa's fine. Give you some ideas. I think Bank of America's fine. Goldman Sachs is fine. There's four out of the top 20 in my opinion. Anyway, um, the question though is, anytime you're talking about Brazil, Russia, India, and China, yes, they're going to be consuming more generic drugs and drugs altogether. But there's questions about has, you know, have we come to a point where they're crumbling? Brazil and China, emerging markets, um, they're more sustainable at this point in time than, say, Brazil and Russia. But India and China doing great. So, I don't know. 
There's also, like I saw some articles out there today in the Financial Times out of the European newspapers talking about how China's starting to build ports where they didn't used to build ports because business is so big and booming. They want more imports. They want more exports ability. So they're building ports kind of like maybe a mile from India. So India may not be India anymore. China may eat India. I think it's worthy of note. 800-345-5639 to get your calls near. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's talk about, there's another little uh, story out there that's telling me about an investment trend. I just talked about, I talked about an investment trend for you. And dear God, you have to get that as that's important. Simon, this is an, this is a, Simon Says. Do you remember that game as a kid, Simon Says? Not the best game. I, I, I would, I got tricked a lot. So I got wooed into it. You know, Simon Says, touch your head. Simon says, touch your nose. Simon says, you know, pout. Simon says, touch your shoulder. Smile. I'm like, oh, I bit. I'd always bite. I was an easy sucker for that game. Anyway, Simon Property today is making an unsolicited $10 billion bid for general growth properties. They're basically rival mall operators. And this is a big story. This is a trend. When you see one company willing to buy another company, it's telling you something about, A, the company's values. And B, what the companies are seeing in the sector. It's telling you there's value. When one company is willing to say, I'm going to throw $10 billion down on this. That's putting your money money where your mouth is. When you see corporations buying other corporations, you should be excited as an investor. You should be like, it's, it's, it's. Business time, you know, it's, it's time. It's, 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 let's go to the bedroom now. It's, it's business time. When one company is willing to throw down 10 billion more for another company, it's telling you buy some real estate investment trusts. That's what it's telling me. It, it's companies are, you make a mistake like that, your career's over. So it's telling me the waters are a little bit clear. It's like seeing the movie Jaws. And when you see one or two people out in the water, it's, it's, things are okay. I can go back in the water now. It's, it's all okay. So I don't think you're going to lose much money in real estate investment trust. This year, I like telecom. This year, I like utilities because they pay dividends. And I think there's some merger activity in, merger, in utilities. I like the dividend of telecom. I like the slow steadiness of telecom. I like the, the fact that they underperformed last year. I like technology shares. And I like REITs. And today was the first day that I've added REITs to that list. Why do I say that? Because one company said, I'm throwing down $10 billion. Now, what is a REIT real quick? A REIT is commercial property. Now, there's some slums out there. And now, let me tell you, they are slums. They are slimy. They are scumbags. I tell you that to get wealthy, you've got to own real estate. That has a mortgage tied towards it. No, 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 no. You can get wealthy without having liabilities. You could accumulate REITs. If you want to own commercial real estate, I say do it. I say do it. Absolutely 100% do it. But do it with commercial real estate trusts. What happened was back in the 1960s, our Congress got together and they basically scratched wealthy white people's backs. And they said, you know, hey, Senator, I want to own more commercial real estate. How can I do it? And instead of buying commercial real estate in your own city where suddenly you have your own property and you have a, you know apartment buildings... You'd buy them across the United States. Like a commercial real estate investment trust 
let's you buy office space in New York and you're an owner of it. You buy a hundred shares, you own it. You don't have to buy a hundred more. You don't have the liability of a mortgage. I love commercial REITs. Now, again, we just went through a credit bubble where many of them got destroyed. A lot like housing, destroyed. And that's not a pretty thing to talk about. It happened in the 1990s. I know one fund manager out in Walnut Creek. He didn't buy REITs because what he saw in 1991, 92. Now, he missed an up performance of 600% in the late 90s because he saw the early 90s where REITs went out of business. So when one big company says, I'm going to buy another one, I'm like, yeah. Now, again, there's different type of REITs. That's also important. There's healthcare REITs. Like, let's say you're an oncologist. You don't have the money to work out of the hospital. You know, the hospitals want to cut. So they open up their own building. They, they buy their own equipment. So, and that's what a healthcare REIT does. A healthcare REIT will, will buy the building and put the equipment in, and they'll say, hey, oncologist, why don't you pay us a monthly rent? So you can own a healthcare REIT. You can own a mall REIT. A mall REIT, clearly malls. I think malls are very 1990s. So I'm not a big fan of malls. You could own a car dealership REIT, which just buys the land and manages the property. On You can own movie theater REITs. You can own apartment REITs. Now, apartment REITs might do well when the economy stinks because people are losing their houses and they have to live somewhere. Cardboard box ain't an option. So commercial real estate, when the economy is doing well, commercial real estate, obviously, they're able to charge a premium. Now, here's the problem. We all know those formulas. So you have to be sometimes counterintuitive. You got to buy the office REITs when the economy stinks. You got to buy the apartment REITs when the economy is hot. That's where you get your value. That's where you get your 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 ability to say stretch and and, and lose a little bit of money because you cut down your risk. Anyway, commercial real estate's telling me something. Day eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred three four five fifty six thirty nine. It's Rob Black Show nine ten a.m. nine ten a.m. More stimulating talk. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. coming to work tomorrow. I just got an email that says, we wish to inform you that your email address won 550 million euros. Woohoo! Sweet! From the Euro Millionaires International Award Prize, promotion held on February 13th, 2010. To claim my price, all I have to do is um, send them an email with my, my social security and my phone number on it. All right. <laughs> So if I'm not at work tomorrow, you know that I'm 550 million euros richer. Woo! May buy me an island with that. And it's signed sincerely, Mrs. Maria Sanchez. Thanks, Maria. Oh, speaking of, let's pull from the file as he was right. Today there's a little headline that says, um, a turn in sentiment. In favor of the dollar continued with worries over European debt woes, pushing the U.S. currency to its highest point in nine months. Remember a couple months ago I said too many people are calling the show thinking that things are only going to get worse for the dollar. That Obama's going to send the dollar down to nothing. That gold was going to a million. You better buy shotguns and blow up dolls. And I said, you know what? It's time to short the euro. It's time to go long the dollar. Too many people 
are talking about it. Basically, when Glenn Beck's talking about it, it's it's a fad. It's it's too late. And I'm not slamming Glenn Beck on any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying when you hear the common man, and he is the common man of politics, according to him, that's when you want to get the hell out and run. Just my opinion. You may disagree with me, and that's A-OK. We're allowed to disagree. I think that's one of the things that makes this this world wonderful, is that we're allowed to disagree. And again, if you really think I'm cocky and arrogant, you don't get the show. Was I right about the dollar? Yeah. Am I going to be wrong about stuff? Absolutely. Am I your Buddha, your guru? Uh-uh, no way. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. And now, again, I'm honest. I just took a shot at Glenn Beck in a, in a fun and fair way. I once was offered a show at Fox. I was one of the final four in the position for it. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I want to go national. In large part, when you go national, you have to cater to the, the sponsors. You do. Whether you think so or not, you do. You know, Jim Cramer and Suze Orman, they can't tell you the truth. Because they'll lose their paycheck. They'll lose their platform if they told you that annuities suck. I'll tell you that most annuities suck. Fidelity and Vanguard's got some nice ones, but you don't need them until you've accumulated wealth with your stocks, bonds, and real estate. Annuities are a great way of, of generating some stable income in retirement. The problem is they're incredibly expensive. And the problem is they're sold by insurance salespeople who are schmucks who are going after commissions. There's a story out today at CNBC that they're going to lose one of their best people at CNBC. There's a couple people at CNBC that I would say, when they talk, I listen. One of them was Charlie Gasparino. In large part, he worked with the Wall Street Journal. He's worked, um, he's got a journalism background. He broke the stories. He broke the stories about corporate greed. He broke the stories about, um, you know, CEOs stealing money. He broke the stories. He's going to leave CNBC and he's going to go to Fox Business Network, which is basically hell. He's going to give him a little bit of credibility. Lou Dobbs is eventually going to land at Fox Business Network. Gasparino, he's broken some of the biggest financial stories like Madoff. He's also publicized on-air, uh, he's, he's had, you know, hugely publicized on-air dust-offs. He's not afraid to say, Kramer, I think you're an idiot. He'll go out of his way to say, Kramer, you're an idiot. He had no problem, you know, arguing with Dylan Radigan and Dennis Neal and basically saying, you guys are suck-ups. I like Gasparino, and it's sad that he's going to disappear. He, he writes for a good website called The Daily Beast, and you can find it at thedailybeast.com. It's one of those... <clears throat> I'd say corporate watchdog websites. I think that's the best way of explaining it. Um, he's worked with Forbes. He's worked with the New York Post. He's he's typically just on money. He's one of those people that when he talks, he's more right than wrong. He makes you money in large part because he steers you away from areas that you shouldn't be at. CNBC, for the record, has seen their ratings drop 25% two years ago and 29% last year. So CNBC is kind of a dying beast anyway, because I think they get too caught up in, in, in business talk. You know, P.E. this, margin this, earnings per share this, beat by a penny, Maria Bartiromo, the money, honey. Um, she doesn't work for me. She's never worked for me. Um, I don't think sex should be in money. But then again, I do. I don't think we need a pretty woman reading business headlines. I think we need a pretty woman talking common sense. Don't buy Manola Blahniks. Invest in your 401k. Go snowboarding this weekend. 
Go copy what you're seeing out there in the Olympics. Enjoy the world that we live in. Anyway, I I find it sad that Gasparino is leaving a, a platform where he could succeed. And you know, another guy I really like at CNBC, and there, there's probably only two, um, Rick Santelli. I think Rick Santelli's just fantastic. When he talks about the bond market, it gets me excited. It gets me excited. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. To get your calls in the air. Now, another source that I like, I'm, I'm giving you all my sources because I think I'm going to die soon. I don't have cancer. I'm not dying, but I think I'm going to die soon. Um, Barron's. Barron's did a nice piece this weekend on Blue Nile. Have you ever bought a diamond from Blue Nile? If you raise your hand here, you're ghetto. Because they got ghetto diamonds. It's better to get your diamonds from uh, from Africa or someone who gets them from Africa than to get them through a retail channel. Retail channels on, on diamonds, you just get ripped off left and ripped off right. Ripped off up the middle and ripped off in the end. So it's not pretty. So Barron's talked about tough business climate, huge valuation for Blue Nile. They don't actually sell diamonds anymore. They actually sell just diamond chips. <laughs> they sell slivers of diamonds. Sales and luxury items like diamond engagement rings, um, just not doing that well. It would have to show improvement for Barron's to be a fan of this stock. Tiffany diamonds are beautiful. They're crazy overpriced, but they're beautiful diamonds. So and why do women want a Tiffany's diamond? Because they're beautiful. So one investor, um, he sold the short the stock short, and he's quoted in the story, and basically he says it's the valuation's too high, the valuation's too high. Like for instance, I'd pay a million dollars for if 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 there was a bad guy, and he's a gun at my mama's head, and he says, "Give me all your money," and I, let's say I have four million dollars, I'd say, you know what, I I, I sorry, mama, you got to go. At four million dollars, you're too expensive for me. I can't keep you because it'd wipe me out. You're an asset. You make wonderful pie, but I can't keep you, moms. I'd have to I'd say shooter. But at a million dollars, I like I like pie, and I'd still have three million. So I could I I, I need pie. So I I would pay that. And basically, that's what the analyst is saying. At some point in time, all stocks become too expensive. Even Apple. Apple doesn't turn straw into gold yet. They're working on it. There's an app for it, but they don't do it yet. <clears throat> so I'm teaching about valuations. I think let's go to Tom in San Jose. Tom. Hey, Rob. Um, first, I just wanted to thank you so much for your show. I'm, I'm 22 years old and feel extremely fortunate to have found it so early on in life. I mean, uh, six months ago, I had no idea what a 401k was, um, but your style is just awesome and funny, and um, it somehow got through to me. And, uh, yeah, I, I just had a question about um, I just I started 401k a couple months ago, and um, just wondering if you could check a fund to see if it's a, a good way for me to go at this point in my life. Quick question for you. Do you like slam poetry? You know what? I'd, if you say, I, uh, there's a right answer, there's a right answer here. <laughs> I do not. Okay, good, good. <laughs> so, what, what can I help you with with your four hundred one k? All right. So, um, my four hundred one k is through John Hancock. Um, there's a ticker symbol for a fund J E T S X. It's a um, Wilshire five thousand index fund. And I was just wondering if if it's a decent fund and if that could um, satisfy my my domestic large, mid, and small cap. Uh, stock funds yes it can um it's kind of a dumb way of doing it but it it can and it does and you're talking about john hancock total stock market index and it's tied towards the wilshire 5000 
And it's better than the S&P 500 because the S&P 500 really skews towards large companies, and you're kind of hinting at that. This skews towards mid-cap, small-cap, everything. So it's trying to get the aggregate total, the broad domestic equity market. So it turns into kind of a large-cap value. Now, the downside on it is it's it's cheap. It's it's skewing a little bit large-cap blend, both growth and value. Um, so you're you're missing out on some of the true small cap California companies, some of the true mid cap companies, um, because it it does have a a um, I'm not going to say a weighting. It, it plays towards larger companies. Um, taking a look at the last couple of years, performance has been better than the, the S and P 500. I like it. I think it's the right way of accumulating assets. I wouldn't. Here's where I I, I kind of have problems with Tom. I want you to have this index, and I think it's a great index. It's a cheap index. It's a great way to accumulate assets. But also, I, I think I do want you to, again, get some international, and you hinted that this is just your domestic, and this you're going to look elsewhere for your international. I want you to get some income, too. Um, I have no problem with the Wilshire 5000. I don't think I'm wildly original when I say that. I, I would say maybe if you're going to do 60% Domestic, 40% international or 60% domestic, 20% international, 20% income. Um, I want to put all 60% into it. I, I would look for a little bit more, something a little more, you know, uh, will to live kind of play. I'm not looking capital appreciation. I'm just, I, I want a little bit more flavor. To me, this is mashed potatoes. This is a big, like basically what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to put 60% into mashed potatoes without butter, salt, or pepper. Mashed potatoes suck without butter, salt, and pepper. Personally, that's my opinion. I think you need a little bit more flavor. Okay. So quick question for you, Tom. What's a 22-year-old doing these days? What music do you listen to? Uh, Well, I listen to, uh, I don't know if I'd throw out a radio station, but I guess just alternative rock. I love the music you play uh, coming in. Um, Yeah, I'm uh, I'm finishing up my last year at San Jose State and uh, working about 30 hours a week. uh, I don't know. I'm not really sure what after that, but that's where I'm at now. What's your degree going to be in? It's going to be in communications with a finance minor. Um, so I'm not really sure where I'm going with that, but uh, I don't know, just really focusing on becoming very uh, interpersonal and uh, being good in that in that regard. It's, it's interesting that you say that because um, when I was a communicate, I wasn't a communication major, but when I was in college, my best friend was a communication major. And communication was radio and TV, but now it's so much more. Yeah. Um, is that is that something that you're looking into tied towards finance, like new avenues for people to expand and, and learn through and, and get their product out? You know, I'm I'm not I'm not really looking mass communications like that. More um, like I was saying, focusing on interpersonal. So, um, if I were to to go into the financial industry, I'm not sure if I will. But um, just really trying to hone in on my uh, listening skills and being able to relate with people where they're at and and help them with uh, where they find themselves in their lives. Can I give you a tip on what to say to women? Yes. Um, say, how was your day? So, and then basically you're golden. You don't have to do anything else on occasion. Throw in, you don't like that woman, do you? Um, <laughs> if you can learn those two phrases, you'll succeed with communicating with women. All right. Sounds great. And that's just experience. That's, that's not a college textbook. That's, that's the book of life, my friend. So thanks for the call, Tom. All right. Thank you. 800-345-5639 to get your calls there. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. I've uh, quoted a couple emails today. How do you email me? Rob at robblack.com. It's Rob, R-O-B, at robblack.com. Um, I've quoted a couple live blog uh, text messages. Uh, you get a live blog text message into the show. 
or communicate with other blackheads, you can go to talk910.com, talk910.com, hit the Rob Black Show, and then hit the blog. And for the two hours that I'm on, it's live and it's interactive. Um, a couple other ways to find me, Facebook. Facebook, um, it's the group called I Hate Rob Black. I Hate Rob Black. I think that's a kind of a fun way of, of saying you, you enjoy what I'm trying to do. And again, Tom, 22-year-olds listen to the show. I, I couldn't ask for a bigger compliment than that. Um, and to get him started in money, golden. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's the Rob Black Show, 910 AM, more stimulating talk. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.